Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, being with me today. I'm always looking forward to this time we get to spend together. And in this hour, Dr. Glenn Pickering is going to be uh, joining me for the full hour. So that means your questions can be answered. Now, we're taking calls today, 877-933-2484. We're talking today about relationship rescues. If you're struggling in a relationship, and it's any relationship, Glenn's going to be here to help you understand Really, the three ways in which relationships get off track and the steps you can take to get them back on track. And we're talking right now, okay? So we're going to work at getting those relationships back on track, and it can begin right now. That's uh, two words that Glenn has put together and uh, makes a big, strong point. That isn't something that's going to be uh, two weeks from today. It's going to be right now. So that's going to be good. So let us know what your questions are. 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. And as we start off uh, this hour, I just am thinking of Ephesians 4.32 that says, instead be kind and tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. So I know forgiveness is a big part of any relationship rescue. Always, always involves forgiveness. So we'll take a short break and begin with Dr. Glenn Pickering in just a minute. The He Reads Truth Study Bible combines God's Word and the easy-to-read CSB translation with thoughtfully designed resources that make it easier to understand. Featuring timelines, charts, maps, multiple reading plans, and wide margins for note-taking, the He Reads Truth Study Bible will inspire men to spend daily time in the Scriptures, increase biblical literacy, and build a deeper relationship with God. We're giving away one He Reads Truth Study Bible each week this month. Enter to win at MyFaithRadio.com. Worshiping the risen King together. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine. I'm bought with the precious blood of Christ. Claiming his promises. Faith Radio. Interrupt that music. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio, and you can find him at glennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to be here. Yeah. Relationship rescue. That's right. Yeah. So if you're struggling in a relationship, um, 
Glenn's here to answer your questions. So let us know what they are, 877-933-2484. And Glenn and Gwen Pickering have written a book called Playing Tag, the world's, the world's most common game. And I've got uh, three copies to give away. So if yes. you want to get in that drawing to win one of the three copies of this amazing little book, uh, email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Put tag in the subject line and make sure you put your name and address so I know where to send if you win. So, Glenn, let's uh, do a little brush up on tag. All right. um, tell me again what, uh, what people need to know about tag. Well, thanks. So, you know, we said at the beginning that there are three ways that relationships tend to get off track. And this game, playing tag, is one of those ways. Mm-hmm. And so when people say, well, Glenn, what does that even mean when you say people play tag? It's like, I always think it's like the little kid game. You know, if you're playing tag when you're a little kid, you're always trying to do one of two things. You're trying to avoid being it, or if you are it, then you're trying to make somebody else it. And as adults, we get into these weird, really unhelpful conversations where we either kind of shut down because we're trying not to be made it and we don't because we don't want to get criticized or judged. Or if we feel like we are it or we did do something wrong or we are being accused, then we lash out and make somebody else it. And so often our conversations that go badly are going badly because we're playing that game. Sometimes people say, well, Glenn, how can I tell if I'm playing? And I, so I'm here to tell you, here's the four most likely ways that people play. And I want to say to all you listeners, if any of these sound familiar to you, we'd love to have you call in and talk about your specific situation. I'll give you some real specific feedback about that. But in the meantime, I'll just tell you the four ways you can most likely tell you're playing tag is this. One, if you walk around confused because somehow every conversation you have with that other person turns into an argument. Even if you're just talking about who's going to pick up the groceries tonight, somehow it becomes an argument. And you walk around confused thinking, what just happened? How did that happen? Second way you can kind of tell you're playing tag is if you walk around feeling anxious, like you're walking around on eggshells, like you're afraid to say anything because you think, oh, it's going to go bad. I don't want to bring up this. I don't want to bring up that. I don't want to make them mad. So you kind of walk around on eggshells and don't really say anything. Clear sign that you're playing tag by what you don't do. Third, if you walk around feeling discouraged, like like nothing you do is ever good enough. And so if you're walking around feeling not good enough, like no matter how you interact with that person, the message you kind of get is, boy, I just can't get it right. You never do it right. Very likely you're playing that game of tag. And finally, if you walk around feeling disconnected, like, yeah, we're just roommates. We just live in the same place, but that's kind of all we have in common at this point. Again, can be pretty sure that you're playing a game of tag. Now, if any of those four sound like you, walking around confused because of the arguments, walking around anxious like you're walking on eggshells, walking around discouraged like you just can't do anything right, or walking around feeling disconnected like your roommates, I would love to have you call in. We can talk more about your situation. And um, Bill, it looked like you were going to say something about that before I talk to people about what they might want to do about those things. Well, I'm thinking about what, what about the person that's nervous just driving home about what they're going to be stepping into. Right. They don't even want to go home. Right. Yeah, talk about walking around on eggshells. I'm so anxious, I don't even want to go home. Driving home on eggshells. Right, yep. Yeah. Yep. And, right, so when I talk about anxiety, that's what I'm talking about. That's how you can can tell you're playing the game because you're literally anxious about even arriving or showing up or interacting with that other person. Um, Just makes you anxious thinking about it because you're so sure that somehow it's going to go wrong or that you're going to be the bad one in the end. And, um... And so then people, if they do, they start kind of avoiding going home or they look for excuses to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you can see it in parenting relationships. Sometimes a parent will be harsh with a kid and they think, well, I'm just teaching them a lesson. And I think to myself, the only lesson they're te- you're teaching them is to avoid you like a plague. <laughs> 
you're really bad to be around. You make me feel bad, so I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to stay in my room. I'm going to avoid you as much as I can. That's the only lesson they're actually learning. Mm. Boy, that's uh, I have to think about that because yeah. you want your children to be as vul- vulnerable and transparent as possible with you. Right. And if they learn that when I do that, I get um, I get a big dose of of angry dad. Right, or criticism or, or judgment, criticism or, or judgment, I just yeah. feel bad about myself. Then the parent says, hey, Glenn, just tell the truth. It's going to be okay. I think, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. I know it's not. So, Glenn, if in tag, yep. uh, let's say I do something wrong, mm-hmm. and I've made a mistake, and you recognize that I've made a mistake, right? in tag, are you then free to be as mean to me as you want to be because I'm wrong? Right, that's rule number one in the game. If I can prove that I'm right and you're wrong, I somehow have license to be as mean to you as I want. Mm-hmm. And I even act like it's your fault that I'm doing it to you. Like, oof. You and, brought this on yourself. Right, right. By being stupid or making a mistake or I told you not to do that. And somehow then it's okay to be really harsh with you. Yeah, where's right? the instead be kind and tender-hearted toward one another? Right, exactly. It's so the opposite. I think we really need to understand if we're not being thoughtful, like mindful about how we interact with other people, then we are going to play tag with them, and we will then come across really harsh instead of being gentle and tender-hearted and all the things that the Scriptures tell us are true of a good relationship. Mm-hmm. We're talking about relationship rescue, and if you have a question, let us know what it is. I've got a caller on the line. Uh, Fred is calling in, and Fred, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've been listening. I tried to get a hold of you guys yesterday, and I had the number written down wrong. I had nine five three instead of nine three three. Yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> I got a question. Maybe you can answer it for me. I'm a veteran. I've been to Iraq several times. Uh, a guy in our club, in the VFW club, he come in and uh, he's from the Vietnam War area, and uh, he's got long hair and. He says, explain to me, he says, explain to me chapter 6 of Corinthians. Uh, he goes, uh, says that a Christian must have his hair cut short. He goes, does this mean i got to cut all my hair off? And I was never able to answer that question. I was wondering if you might have an answer for that question. Yeah, well, that's probably a great question for Ask the Professor, which was on yesterday. I don't know, Glenn, if you want to take a whack at that or not. That was probably directed to Mark Muska yesterday. I'm thinking I'm going to let Mark handle that one. Yeah, I figured so, too. I figured so, too. <laughs> You know, gosh, Fred, I'm sorry, that's probably not Glenn's area of expertise, but uh, I will ask uh, Mark Muska and get that uh, answer back to you. How's that? Oh, I appreciate that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Mark. So, Mark okay. Yeah, and uh, send us a text uh, at 877-933-2484, the same number you called, and just make a note that uh, you have the question about the long hair, and I'll get I'll get an answer for you. Okay, I appreciate that. All right, thanks, Doc. You bet, Fred. Thanks for your service to our country. Yeah, thank you. you bye. All right, we're going to get back to Relationship Rescue. If you have a question, you're struggling in a relationship, let us know what it is. Glenn is here to help, and we're going to uh, sort out uh, any other questions you have, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be right back. the show. Thanks for joining me today. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. Glennpickering.com is his website. 
And we're talking about relationship rescue. If you're struggling in a relationship, uh, boy, Glenn's here to help. Uh, there's three ways that we're talking about today that relationships get off track and steps you can take to get them back on. That's starting now. We've got an anonymous caller in from uh, North Dakota. Welcome to the show. You've got a question for Glenn. Yes, I do. Okay, so for the last 27 years, just living everything that you just explained, the eggshells not doing everything right, right, all of that. Okay, now, I, my, I truly, truly believe my husband, and I can see God in him, and everything I prayed for, the, bringing my husband fully to Christ, and all of that is now happening, which I'm so thankful for. But now I don't know how to fix myself after 27 years of eggshells when God finally gave me what I wanted. (laughs) Isn't that scary when we get what we want? Now I'm just a mess. Okay. Okay. So I guess, yes. And here's how come. Because every relationship is 50-50. And so if we keep praying that the other person, with God's help, kind of get their 50% together, which is great, hallelujah, what that means is we're now going to come face-to-face with our 50. And we're going to realize, oh, I have some work to do here. And you can see that part of your work is that you need to get better at speaking up the truth, even if you're afraid to. Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. And I think about that in my practice virtually every day because the truth does set us free. So I get there's a part of you that's really, really afraid to tell the truth because, you know, you've had all those bad experiences in the past. So your job in the future is to think, okay, from now on, anytime I feel like I'm walking around in eggshells, any time, that means there's some true thing that I need to say that I'm afraid to say. Now, given that your husband really is working at this with you, so you're not in it alone, then every time you have that feeling about there's something I know I need to say, but I'm afraid to say it, you get to say it to your husband. You sit by him, have him hold your hand so you feel connected to him, and you say, hon, there's a thing I need to say that's, you know, one of those things I'm scared of saying. It's his job to say, okay, cool. Let's take a moment and pray about it so we're gently connected. And then you just say whatever it is that you have to say. And remember, and then it's his job to remember afterwards, not to sort of react to what you say or even have much of an opinion about it, but just say basically, I'm so glad you could tell me. And if the two of you are willing to practice that way of handling your anxiety, you're soon going to find out that you don't feel anxious anymore. Well, that's not true. You'll feel a little anxious. You won't feel paralyzingly anxious like you do right now. Because you realize, oh, because anxiety comes from thinking I'm alone. But if, if I'm you and I can speak out to my husband and he can kind of hold my hand and we can pray together and then I can say what I really mean and he can say, hey, thanks for telling me, I realize, oh, I'm not alone anymore. And that's what makes us not anxious. So Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. And you it are is so anxious, welcome. Anxiety that I'm oh, right. So Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. You're so thank welcome. You I, I so appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. Another caller uh, is on the line. Sarah is calling in. Sarah, so welcome to the show. You have a question for Glenn. I'm just wondering how I can kind of how I can connect again with a son that has uh, won't talk to me anymore and has left home. Uh, I asked him to leave because he was on this Discord all the time, and every time I try and confront him, like, but you need to help, you know, or you need to. Um, Get off your phone. <laughs> no, like, can you just put that away? Seriously. You know, you're fun to talk to, but all you do is look at your phone. He's just become so disconnected. And how do I help? What's a step I can take that would at least get it so that he can come over and have a cup of coffee with me? Okay, because cool. Because 
This is actually going to move into our next one just a little bit, but it's a great, great question. So thank you for asking. Anytime a parent says, Glenn, my child and I are disconnected for whatever reason or not, we need to understand that the first step is ours. And when Jesus said, you know, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. He was really, really clear. If I'm in a relationship that's not working, I need to start by going to that other person and humbly acknowledging my part of what went wrong. And if I'm a parent, that's especially true because if I'm the parent and they're the kid, they don't feel powerful around me. They feel little. So they are literally not going to be able to start that conversation. It will have to be me who starts it. And I'm going to have to come to them and say, "Hun, you know what? I get. You might have felt uncomfortable around me for whatever reason. Maybe I was kind of judgmental. And if so, I'm sorry. And so you kind of withdrew a little bit by just looking on your phone. And then I got even more judgmental with you being on the phone all the time, which made you feel like it literally wasn't safe to be here. And I'm sorry about that. I claim my part of that. And I'd like you to spend more time at home. And I promise you, I will try and do my part differently because I would really like our relationship to be different. Are you up for that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you ask him at the end. So after you acknowledge your part, then you ask him, so I'd like to be in a different relationship with you. And then you ask him, are you up for that? And then he gets to either say yes or no. And he will probably say yes, but. <laughs> well, that would be good. Right. Now notice. <laughs> but he kinda, he's, he's very shut off. He's, he's like, right. there's a, he's a, where he's going, he's at his dad's. Right. And his dad, there's drugs, there's. Right. And he's shut off partly because he hasn't found a safe way to connect to you. So your job is to literally bend over backwards to try and find a, a way to make it safe for him to feel like he can talk to you. And that's why we start off by acknowledging our part, apologizing for that, and asking them to be in a different relationship with us. Because otherwise, if I say, hey, why don't you come over and spend more time with me, what they're going to hear me asking is, hey, I want you to come over and be in the same kind of icky relationship we had with me before. And they're going to think, why would I do that? So... We have to be clear. I'm sorry. I would like you to be different. I want us to work together to do it differently. That's what I'm asking you if you're up for. So they can tell, oh, I'm not being asked to go back into the old way. You're asking me to find a new way. New, a new invitation. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for calling. I hope that helped. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Nicely done, Glenn. Well, thank you. That's a three-pointer. All net. All net. No backboard, no rim. Okay. Let's uh, go to Soraya in Bloomington. Soraya, welcome to the show. Hi. Did hello. I did I pronounce your name correctly? <laughs> it's it's Saudi. It's just like Saudi Arabia. Oh, nice. Okay. Saudi. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You have a question. I do. Um, I've been with my husband um, for uh, about fourteen years. We've been married for six. We have two kids, and we've literally been on and off for since we've been together. Um, but one of the things that really make me nervous um, and that I'm, I'm not sure about is his, his not being faithful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the process of working on things now. Um, we're living separately. He has his lease. I have mine. And we want to try and work this out but I'm just really like and it's really been bothering me lately because I'm like oh my god I don't know I don't know and, and it's we're counting down so, but now the anxiety and you know so let me ask you this so your fear of him being unfaithful is that because he has been or is that just a fear of yours he most definitely has been okay yeah. okay so that fear is grounded in some prior experience yes and okay. it just breaks my heart like it's, oh yeah I just don't know 
what else. I don't. I don't think I can take anymore. So I don't know what what would happen if he would do that again. Right. I know I, emotionally, I would just break down. The kids. I mean, it just would be horrible. Or not. Yeah. Well, here's what I mean by that. I'm not even. This is so much beyond me. I'm not sure I can quite get it right, but I'm going to give it my best shot. If I go back in that relationship and give it my best shot, part of my best shot has to be I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to hang out with my best friends every day. I'm going to try and live in community as much as I can every day so I have solid support inside and out. So instead of being elated if he stays or broken apart if he doesn't, I have a stronger feeling like I'm kind of going to be okay either way. Because unless you bring that attitude in to create in the new relationship, your fear will lead you to kind of withdraw or lash out, and pretty soon you're going to notice you're in the same old relationship. So, um, so I don't want to live in denial and pretend the bad stuff didn't happen. But it's also important to think, okay, but I'm going to do everything I can to strengthen myself from the inside out, so I'm not as impacted by whether he gets it together or not. Because I don't want I don't want to put my sort of stability in somebody else's hands. Okay. And he doesn't want to talk about it. Okay. He's, he's, he's always saying that's in the past. Let's move on. That's, I don't like to talk about the past, but the past keeps happening. Right. So the question so, is, so I always think, yeah, we don't want to get stuck in the past. That part's true. But the past does have lessons for us. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, we don't have to keep rehearsing the past or talking about it. But we do have to ask, what went wrong? What did each of us do wrong? And what do each of us need to do differently going forward? So... It's fine to say we need to move forward. That's fair. But it's also important to think, yeah, but how are we going to move forward in a way that's different than what we did in the past? And we have to be clear about that. And the past holds the lessons for us about what we need to do differently going forward. Okay. So I don't want to get stuck there, but I do need to learn the lessons, if that makes any sense. It does. It okay. does. I think for the most part, I guess I just need to pray about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do... I, I love my husband. My my girls want their father. Sure, they, of course, they want right. him there. Yeah. And I don't want to live apart because it's right. like, yeah, you know been, what I mean? I just, yeah, he's been part of your life for 14 years. You don't just blow that off. I mean, he's like woven exactly. into your life. Right, of course. It would be way better yeah. if it could work than if it could not work, which is part of why I want you to have an attitude where you're, you don't see yourself as being so fragile. Yeah, fragile, I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because fragile people... As soon as there's a little bit of a conflict, you're going to go to that place about, see, I knew it wouldn't work, and then you're going to start running. Exactly. So you have to be strong yeah. enough to going into that relationship to do that differently. Exactly. So um, as far what are the tools that I need to go into this relationship? You know, that's a great, that's a great question. And here's something I love. I have on my website, glennpickering.com, uh, look, button you can click for a free 20-minute consultation where we can have a 20-minute consul- conversation about this very specific thing, which I'd be so happy to do with you. And it's free, so it's great. Wow, that would be, on, that would be cool. awesome. Thank Lynn you so much. 20-minute consultation. Just, it's just going to ask your email, and I will email you tomorrow, and we'll set it up. Sounds good. Thank okay, you cool. so much. You are way welcome. All right, we'll take a short break. If you have questions for Glenn, let us know what they are. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in just a minute.
Welcome back. I've got Dr. Glenn Pickering in studio. If you want to learn more about Glenn, you can go to his website, glennpickering.com, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, glennpickering.com. He also offers this spectacular uh, 20-minute free consultation, which he talked about right before the break, about midway down the first page of his website. You can just hit the click here button, and he'll arrange that. And it's complimentary for a free 20-minute consultation. All right, Glenn. Let's go back to uh, some of the three ways in which relationships get off track. Right. Um, so, right. One way is when we play tag. The other way, which you were talking about a little bit too just a minute ago, is about unforgiveness. That's the second thing that can really, really derail a relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people say to me, well, Glenn, how can I tell if that's my problem? And I think, well, if you keep kind of replaying in your head the offense or the thing that the other person did against you, and you keep replaying that... And you keep rehearsing in your mind the reasons why you're right to be really upset or mad or hurt by that. And you keep kind of playing that over and over in your head. You can trust me that you're struggling with unforgiveness. Because what you're trying to do is convince yourself that you're right to be unforgiven. So I just know. Okay. What if you are, um, you've been violated in some way and you're not being honest about it? I mean, we've got 19 cameras in the studio and we have got you taking my wallet out of the studio. Uh-huh. 19 cameras. And you're, tell, you're telling me that you know, didn't do it. I didn't know you had the cameras. Yeah. Call, dang it. I, <laughs> and you're, tell, me that. you're telling me you didn't do it. Right. I got proof you did it. Right. When are you just going to say, all right, I'm sorry, I did it. Right. Now, I need to hear the truth. No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. Why do I do this Thank show you, with Sergeant you? Schultz. Right. <laughs> so, you don't need that. What you need to do is quit worrying about whether I, whether I agree with you or not. Say that, and now make more sense of that. Nope. Okay. I'm going to be more and more Christ-like, I decided. Say short, cryptic things and leave town. All right. <laughs> so, um, so here's what I mean. As soon as I think, I have to have you apologize to me to feel better. I think, no, I don't. I can decide that I want to forgive somebody because I decide I want to. I, um, I heard this great speaker years ago, a gal who said, she finally came to understand that unforgiveness is like drinking the poison and waiting for the other person to die. Mm-hmm. So why would I forgive that person? Because I don't want to drag that crap around with me any longer. So even if you have total evidence I told, took your wallet, which just as an aside, there was shockingly little in that wallet. But I get that. Uh, I know. But um, even if I never admit it, you can still decide, you know what? I know perfectly well Glenn did that. I might even know why he did it. And you know what? I'm going to ask God to help me forgive him, and I'm going to move on. Because I get to be in charge of my own self. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're putting me in charge of you. Like, you can only be happy if I acknowledge that I did something wrong. Well, you don't want me to be in charge of your happiness. That's a great point. That's a great point. So when we decide to forgive, what we're really doing is we're not saying, hey, that behavior was okay. We're saying, I choose not to be in turmoil about this any longer because I want to be in charge of my own self. Mm-hmm. What if people make efforts to be encouraging and loving and generous and those get rejected and that hurts it does hurt so then what well then i can either do that same thing just can keep convincing myself they're bad they're terrible how could they have done this blah 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 or i can do what jesus says in matthew and just go talk to them and see if they will hear me um and if they do that's great but then if they don't then i have the right to decide well i don't really want to interact with you anymore and that's my kind of harsh no it's not well, what about if it's family or someone really close to you? So you met my family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I apologize to all my family members. <laughs> yes, there are some people who are going to be unavoidably in our life to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. I just think if someone's been hurtful to me, it really is my job to go to them in, in an attempt to really be back in the right relationship, just like Jesus said. We go to our brother or our sister. But here's what we have to be clear about. If we go to our brother and sister, plain tag, just trying to prove to them they're the bad one, they should feel like a piece of crap because blah, blah, blah. See, mm-hmm. that's not right. Jesus is trying to say, I just go to my brother because he says, and they, if they hear you, that's great because then you get your brother back. We have to be really, really clear. We're only coming to our brother and sister because we want that relationship to be right. If there's any part of me that's going in because I'm prideful or I want to prove you're wrong, see, I don't have the right to be in that conversation. First of all, I'm going to talk to them, give them a chance for us to be back in the right relationship because that's best. But if they decide they're not willing to be in the right relationship with me, see, then I'm not, I don't decide to quit talking to them because I blew off the relationship. I quit talking to them because I acknowledge they have blown off the relationship. Okay, what about if somebody thinks that they're better than you because I didn't do what you did and right. therefore I'm on higher ground? Yep, and I see that one all the time that people have struggled with unforgiveness because somehow they just think, see, I would never have done that. You did this thing, but I would never have done it. And I think over and over about two things. Think about Paul saying in Romans 2 about why do you judge your brother when you yourself have committed the same sins? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we can tell ourselves, why well, didn't commit that exact same sin? But the truth is we've committed sins that were just as bad or just as serious or just as hurtful. We probably committed sins that were a lot like that one, maybe a little different than the detail, but probably a lot like that one. And so part of choosing unforgiveness is to understand instead of holding myself up as being morally superior, like I'm better than you, I just ignore knowledge. Partly I forgive you because, you know, what I see in myself that I easily, if I was in the right situation, might have done a very similar thing. Okay. You, you may have lack of forgiveness because... You think you're in, you're in control of the other person, which right. you, which you never are. Right, exactly. But Glenn, let me ask you this: in a healthy relationship, aren't you sort of giving yourself over to one another? Isn't isn't there a certain amount of control? Well, here's um, the really cool I can thing: get, I can get Glenn to help you do that <laughs> because I know my you know your wife could say, "I know Glenn. I can get him to help you to do that." Right. And she's in a way offering a certain amount of control over you because right, you might exactly. go, "Well, I don't want to do that." Right. But I told him that you would. Uh-huh. And that's when we are going to have a real honest conversation about <laughs> that. You don't get to decide things for me because it turns out I'm my own separate person. Um, but don't you want to be nice to your wife and nope. honor her generosity? Absolutely not. Okay. Just kidding. But I just think, <laughs> see, here's the problem. We, th- we think Christians, we Christians think being nice is what we're supposed to be. But see, we're actually supposed to be good. I promise you. you Tell can the read, difference. Yeah, you can read the whole scripture and not find Jesus being nice ever. Nobody ever came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what do you think of this or that? And they have Jesus say, oh, I don't know. What do you think? Anything's okay with me. That boy had opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, see, the difference between nice and good is this. If I'm trying to be nice, see, I don't cut in line. I don't burp in church. I don't say the wrong things. Being nice is a list of whole things I won't, a whole list of things I won't do. So basically, see, I could be nice by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus shows us is that goodness means I'm actively working hard to do the right thing, to make a difference, to do something good, to do something right that makes a difference in other people's lives. So I don't want my wife to be nice, and I don't want to be nice back. If she has volunteered my services and I didn't like that, it's my job to lovingly say, Hon, I don't actually like when you do that. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to be nice. It is my job to be good. Because if there's something in our relationship that's off and it really needs to be better, well, then if I'm really serious about my faith, I pray like crazy to get my heart right, and then I go talk to my wife about that so our relationship is better. 
Mm-hmm. Let me jump back to yeah. the caller that we had right before the break, and sure. it sounded like those two were living in separate spaces, mm-hmm. and it sounds like they were separated, but they wanted to try to figure something out. Is is a trial separation like that, or is that ever a good thing? Is that a I work with couples a lot on what I call a constructive separation. Sometimes couples get separated, and really it's just an excuse for getting divorced. They're really getting divorced, but they don't want to admit that, so they just say, well, let's just be separate for a while. And then they don't talk to each other, they don't interact. So all that means is they drift further and further apart. Well, there's only one way that that story's going to end. But if a couple does what I call a constructive separation, then we set up the separation in such a way that it actually helps the two people grow together while cutting down the times that they're being hurtful to each other or lashing out at each other so they can kind of gradually grow that relationship back. And there's some very, very specific rules and guidelines that I teach people about how to do that. Mm-hmm. Can you share some of that? Yeah. One, for example, no accidental contact. What does that here's, mean? Well, here's how come. Let's say, for example, um, my wife and I, um, every Sunday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to call and talk about the kids' schedule that week. On Friday night, we're going to go on a date. On and once a week, we're each going to go to therapy, and on Thursday, we're each going to just take a, we're going to have a call or a visit, and we're going to talk about what we learned in therapy about ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Now, here's the great thing. If my wife, I know she's going to call me at 7 o'clock and talk about the kids or about therapy. I have time to be prayerful, get my mind and my heart right, so I'm ready to be in that conversation, so I bring my best self to that conversation so we can start rebuilding that relationship. Mm-hmm. But if I have a lot, you know, if we're separated, that means I have a lot of weird, mixed, intense emotions in that direction towards her, and I get a call out of the blue. Well, see, you're going to get my knee-jerk reaction now, which is just going to add to the problems we already got going on between us. So... So rule number one is we don't have, we have lots of contact. We have lots of structured contact, but there's no accidental contact. So everybody gets to be together when they're ready. All right. What's what's another rule? This is fascinating. Cool. Well, then um, another no, we'll, rule. We'll get back to the relationship rescue right, part. Right. But well, yeah, this is part of a relationship rescue. Okay. So each of them has to be in therapy or going to the twelve step group or whatever it is that they need to do to get healthy. And each week they're going to take a time to talk on the phone about what they're learning about themselves. Because so often when a relationship's going badly, when the two people are together, all they talk about is a relationship. It's like, well, I don't know, I think about it, it's probably silly, but if I plant a little grass seed in my front yard, I put a little white picket fence around it so people don't step on it, play football on it, give it a chance, you know? (laughs) And I just think, if you watch a young couple who's just first dating, they don't talk about how the relationship's going. They just talk about themselves, you know, and what what they're learning and what their hobbies are and how they're growing and what they're learning and what they like and what they don't like so they get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And so I have a rule that, yeah, you can go to therapy, you have to keep learning about yourself, and then when you get together, you can only talk about what you're learning about yourself, not about the relationship. Because if you're trying to talk about how the relationship's going, it's not helpful because it's still growing. And it will always then sound to the other person like you're being critical of them, and then, then we're back to playing tag and it goes badly. So everybody has to just come in ready to talk about, here's what I've been learning. Well, that's, here's how that's changing my life. Yeah, that's, that's a, probably a very transformative step, isn't it? It is, and here's how come. I believe this with my whole heart, that in any given marriage, we're always either going closer and closer together or drifting further and further apart. So if, two, if a couple is already sort of separated, so they've been drifting apart, and we each go to therapy and we each learn stuff, but we don't share with the other person what we're learning, all we're actually doing is drifting further apart. Mm-hmm. So we have to be growing and we have to share with each other the things we're learning in order for us to start moving that relationship back in the right direction. What, Glenn, are the rules of exchanging information uh, on those Thursday nights when you're talking about what you've learned? If I say, well, it looks like I'm not a great listener. Well, yeah, sure aren't. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, the rules are you can listen 
and you can ask any question that's actually a question. Here's what I mean by that. So if Gwen's telling me something she learned, I can listen, I can nod my head, I can smile at her, or I can ask any question I want, but it has to be a real question. Here's what I mean. If I listen to Gwen and then I say, well, don't you think that you should? Well, that's not a question. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretend question. <laughs> yeah. That's me telling somebody else what to do while pretending to ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So the rule has to be, I listen, I nod, and I can ask any question I want. Like, like, like. I don't get that, or tell me more about that, or how do you see that impact in your life, or um, where is that applied for you, or what's been hard for you about that? I can ask any real question I want about what they're telling me. But So I can listen, I can make little noises, and I can ask any question I want. Mm-hmm. That's actually real. Mm-hmm. And are these constructive separations still helpful if in the mind of one of the people in the couple have already emotionally left? You know, what's interesting is... I just asked people at the beginning, they say, well, Glenn, I can't commit to staying in this relationship. And I said, I'm not asking you to commit to staying in the relationship. I'm asking you to commit to the process of spending some time together, doing fun things, learning, sharing what you're learning, becoming a better team with the kids. I'm just asking you to commit yourself to doing those things that you said you would do. And then we will notice at the end, you will notice, God will make it really clear to you that this is either working or it's not working. Okay. So I've just asked them, don't prejudge it. Just be in the process. God will show you the right answer. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a little break. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. We're talking about relationship rescue. If you have a question, let us know what it is. Give us a call, 877-933-2484. You can, of course, remain anonymous. Again, the number is 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. His website is glennpickering.com. That's with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. Midway down the page, he offers a a free 20-minute consultation. If you'd like to uh, do that, Glenn delivers a lot of goods in 20 minutes. And he also offers a free e-book. So you can, uh, he's offering all kinds of goodies today. So head over to glennpickering.com. So Glenn, one of the relationship rescues, one of the ways you get off track and one of the ways to get back on track is to figure out if you if you have a fable, right? Am I saying that right? Yep, perfect. Say more. Okay, great. So sometimes we're playing tag, sometimes there's a lack of forgiveness, and sometimes we get off track because we have what I call fables. And here's what happens, and this happens at some point to all of us. So just know that this is true: that one of us has an intense emotional reaction, intense like we to lash out or just shut down really hard. Um, that seems way out of proportion to the situation. And, of course, that scares or angers or shuts down the other person, which, of course, really hurts the relationship. And, um, and this happens because that seemingly small situation is triggering a really, really old belief of ours, a belief that we probably have told ourselves repeatedly since we were little. So, for example, I grew up in a family where there were six kids. I was in the middle. Um, my dad had to work a couple of different jobs a lot of that time to take care of us. My mom, of course, was really busy taking care of six kids in that household. And I was really shy and really quiet. So I didn't talk until in school until like my second year in school. I didn't say a word out loud. So the other kids didn't find me interesting, of course. And the teachers didn't need to talk to me because I didn't create a problem. So I came up with this belief that I was basically invisible, that it didn't matter if I was there or not. So... And I probably said something like that. I don't really matter. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not. Nobody really cares. 
I probably told myself that, you know, 10,000 times sometime while I was growing up. So now all it takes now is, you know, we can be sitting with some friends and they say to me and Gwen, my wife, hey, you guys should come over next weekend and do X, Y, or Z with us. And Gwen says, oh, that'd be so fun. Now, anybody who doesn't have my little weird belief in the back of my head that I don't matter would just think, oh, yeah, great. But because I'm that one person that has that really weird belief about how I don't matter, I don't care, I might as well not even be here. See, when Gwen turns to them and says, I'm glad, we're really glad to come, see, I get triggered really hard. And I can just hear all those same old words going out of the back of my head. I don't really matter. I'm invisible. I might as well not be here. Don't bother asking Glenn what he thinks. Um, which, of course, is like a thousand times out of proportion to what actually just happened. All that actually happened is this couple excitedly said, you guys should come over, and Gwen happily said, oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> now, that's what actually happened. Mm-hmm. But I get this really big reaction inside of me about how much I don't matter. And I only have that reaction because I had that really core belief in me that I don't really matter. Now, you've heard me talk a million times about how everything goes think, feel, do. You know, that our, feeling, that our thinking drives our feelings and our feelings drive our emotions. So if I'm having those thoughts, that thinking, I don't really matter, I might as well not be here. See, I'm going to have really big, really intense emotions, and I'll have big behaviors too. I'll either lash out really harshly or I'll just shut down really hard, which is what happens to me in that case. And so I just ask all those listeners to ask yourself, and I'd love to have you call in because this will be super helpful. If there are situations where you consistently get either really, really upset or just really hurt and shut down, I would just ask you to just notice, what are the things you're saying to yourself in those moments? What are those sentences or those words or those phrases that go through your head at that time? And uh, you'd be glad if you call up and tell us what that is for you, and we can talk through about what you might want to do about that. Glenn, can I play amateur psychologist yes, here for a minute? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, your wife... Uh should know you well enough to know that she shouldn't answer on your behalf unless right. she consults you first. Yes. You, and get, you get in the car and say, that invitation was nice. What do you think about going? Right. And because she's human and a really, really good human, <laughs> yeah, she'll get that right about 90% of the time. Okay. Because she cares about me. She's thinking about it. It's at the forefront. She will go out of her way to make sure I feel included. Okay. And she's human. And once in a while, she's going to forget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that will just happen. But the point is, uh, when this does happen to you, it's 100 times or 1,000 times greater than the average person. Right. I have a reaction that's way, way bigger than anything that would seem like made sense in that situation. Yeah. So how do we deal with our fables? Thank you. That's a really great question. And here's, here's, here's how you can tell if you're in your fable. You're going to hear thoughts going through your head that are really black and white. Well, actually, look, can I talk for a minute about why I call them fables? Sure. Okay, cool. I think, see, it's like Aesop's fables. Aesop's fables, they just tell you a story. They don't tell you the moral of the story or the little lesson that you're supposed to get. They just tell you the story. And then you're supposed to kind of understand the lesson or figure out the moral or kind of draw your own conclusion about what this tells you about life. Okay. Well, little kids are doing that all the time. Stuff's happening around them. They see all the stuff happening around them, and they draw their little conclusions about what that all means. Now, and here's the thing. Kids are great little observers. Boy, they see everything. So it's not that they see things inaccurately. It's that the conclusions they come to, sort of the moral that they get out of that, is messed up because they're little. And here's what I mean. Two things. One, kids are really black and white little thinkers. So if my dad once in a while is loud or mean to me, I don't think, oh, you know, mostly men are really nice to me. and Most of my dad's really good too. But, you know, once in a while he's kind of harsh. I think men are mean. Because I'm a little kid and I'm a black and white thinker. Mm-hmm. 
So then I had this old, old thought in my head, men are mean, men are mean. And every time my dad talks loud or every time I see a guy being mean or loud, I think, see, men are mean. So I come to that really black and white conclusion. And then, and um, so because I'm a little black and white thinker, and who does a little kid think the world revolves around? Himself. Right. Mm-hmm. So every fable I come up with then is black and white, and it's always about me. Men are mean to me. So, um, so my, so if Gwen forgets to include me because she's human, I don't think, you know, sometimes people get left out and that's really hurtful. I think I don't matter. I might as well not be here. I'm invisible. So they're black and white sentences and they're all about me. So I say to people who are listening, I just like you to notice anytime you get really worked up and it makes you loud or worked up and it shuts you down altogether, because I promise you, you're having those real big words go through your head and it's triggering those really big emotions you're having, which is why you see that really big reaction in your behavior where you either get really loud or you shut down altogether. And I just ask you to just watch the words that go through your head when this happens to you. Because this is part of how we break out of this. If I know what my fable is, then I can say to my wife, Gwen, hey, you know, I get triggered when I feel left out. And that's what happens to me. I tell myself all those crazy words. So she can think, okay, cool. And then she can do what she can do, which is she can try and go out of her way to be, to remember to be inclusive of me. And then once in a while, when she sees me have a shutdown reaction, she can remember, okay, I'm not actually responsible for Glenn's reaction. That's just a thing that happens to him. I don't want her to take responsibility. She can say, hey, you know, I got too excited and I forgot to ask you if you wanted to come to the barbecue. She can apologize for that. That little teeny thing is what actually happened. But it's not helpful for her to apologize. That, oh, I'm sorry I made you feel so bad. Because it's really important for us to remember she didn't make me feel that bad. I had that thought already. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a landmine there and she just happened to step on it. She didn't put it there. She didn't mine it. She didn't do any of the things wrong. She just stepped on it accidentally. So even if she apologizes, she needs to, she's just going to say, hey, I'm sorry that that happens to you because I know you get triggered. And I'm sorry for anything I did that might have triggered that for you. Mm-hmm. She can just apologize just for the part she actually did. Yeah. So the default response coming out of kids is largely going to be inaccurate. Yes, because yeah. it's going to be, well, it's going to be a black and white version of that's, what's that's, true. That's what I mean. And a self-centered version of what's actually right. true. Right. So they see it, but they make it too big, and they make it about themselves. Mm-hmm. They can easily find the negative side of it, can't they? Well, they just find the big side of it. So yeah. let's say my mom kind of dotes on me. I don't think, oh, my mom's really nice to me. I think I'm really special. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever my fable is, I promise it's going to be real black and white and it's all about me. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, anytime you get worked up or shut down, I just want you to just pay attention to the words that are going through your head and just remember, okay, that's a belief I developed when I was a little kid. And there's a little bit of truth to it, but the things I'm actually saying are way, way bigger than what's actually happening and it's triggering an emotion that doesn't actually make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so is this something that regularly gets discussed and understood by couples prior to going into a lifelong union? Oh, yeah, it comes up all the time, I'm sure, in their conversations on their date nights. No, I'm thinking... (laughs) (laughs) See, we don't even like to admit we have fables because while all those words are going through my head, see, I actually think they're true. Now, later on, I can look back and think, well, that was actually kind of crazy, but see, part of the power of those is while that's actually happening, it seems true to us. Mm Mm-hmm which is why it's so helpful for Gwen to just not, to know it's not about her, just the thing that happens for me. So she can just say, hey, I'm sorry that happens for you. 
I'm sorry for whatever I did mm-hmm. that triggered that. And do those things fester in isolation? Oh, my gosh. Right, because in isolation, then I just keep saying those same things to myself, and I think they're real. Mm-hmm. Uh, Einstein once said, the same brain that got me into this problem is not going to get me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's so true. But just by myself, those thoughts are just going to keep going through my head. Mm-hmm. So, Glenn, we just unfortunately have a minute left. Okay. If we need to attack, or maybe attack's not the right word, but focus on on speaking truth into our hearts so right. we sort of diminish the fable. Is there a, a plan, something we can do? You know, it's really helpful for a couple or a parent or a child to just ask, what can I do when that happens to you that's helpful to you? For me, touch is super helpful because that helps me know I'm not actually alone. I actually do matter. Somebody can actually literally see me, okay. and that helps me break out of it. Yeah. Dr. Glenn Pickering has been my guest this hour, and if you want uh, to go to his website, it's glennpickering.com. It's uh, G-L-E-N-N. P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. He offers a wonderful uh, uh, 20-minute consultation for free. You just click the uh, button, and you can send your email, and he'll contact you. And there's also a free ebook you can download instantly. That's called Getting Started Right Now. Uh, yes, you can. Stop playing tag and start being happy. Right. So, Glenn, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for- great to be with you, and thanks to all the callers that offered such great questions, and I yes. appreciate your vulnerability and your tears that you brought to the show. I mean, it just shows how real these uh, concerns are and we're praying for you and and praying that God meets you in your time of need. Um, We're going to take a little break and then hour two is next. So thank you very much again to Dr. Glenn Pickering and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.